0: From the Vaults, audio from Edmonton's past. This recording consists of an interview of John Ducey conducted by John McIsaac in 1979. This material was originally recorded on a 5-inch open-reel tape and was digitized by an archivist on June 16, 2020. He were born in 1908 in Buffalo, New York, and then moved here in 1909. That's correct. Uh, I was born on August 31st, 1908, in Buffalo, New York. And uh, prior to this, to bring it back a little closer. earlier, my parents uh, met each other in uh, Buffalo, New York in 1902, and uh, my father was a railroader on the uh, New York Central Railroad, hired an engineer from Buffalo, Syracuse, and my mother was born in Cory, Pennsylvania, and she came to Buffalo, New York as a young girl about 18 years of age, and, and she went to work there at a very fine lady's shop as a model. And so they met each other eventually in 1902. Uh, they were married in Buffalo, New York in 1904, and then my father heard about the Hudson Bay Land Sale out here in Western Canada in 1906. So he got a leave of absence for the New York Central. Railroad, and he and mother traveled. It had a long journey by train in those days. And uh, when they arrived on the South Side Depot, there was no train across the uh, Saskatchewan River in those days. And uh, when they arrived uh, uh, on the South Side Depot there, it was on uh, March the 17th, 1906, and the temperature was 29 below zero Fahrenheit. And my dear mother. Wanted to turn right around, and take another trip back to Buffalo, New York. If I finally persuaded her to stay for a little while and see how we made out, how they made out. But we did, and, and he went into the real estate business and everything. Uh, come uh, spring of 1908, my mother was carrying me, and she said to my dad that, that my child must be born in American soil. He was very small American. So 1900 I was born in New York on August 31st, 1908. In 1909, they came, returned to Edmonton, and brought me along with them. And they made their home at Edmonton for the rest of their lives. I see and that's how. Uh, that's how we came to come to Edmonton. Did, uh, he, did your father stay in the real estate business all of his life? All his life, John, he was here. And from that point on, from 1909, when he finally came back to stay, until he passed away on February the 2nd, 1962. My dear mother passed away on August 31st, 1940, so that uh, Dad was in the real estate business here for some 56 years. Yeah. At that time. 11. He saw every boom and bop, the, the South of 14. And went, the, through them all. went through a hall. Went through a hall, John. I remember to, uh, uh, he built a beautiful home over at Windsor Park, which is a very uh, fine uh, residential area, as you know today. Sure. Right, beside the university. Yeah, right, right. He built this beautiful home that still stands there today on 117th Street and about three blocks south of uh, Saskatchewan Drive double corner, big lodge on, um, uh, two and a half story home, beautiful home. And they had this home built in, uh, in 1912. And so when it was completed, uh, we moved from the north side we to the uh to Winston Park, beautiful home. Uh, in the spring era, in the late winter of 1940, He said, well, I said, I think this would be a good time for me to to sell out my holdings in the Ed, in Edmonton area, and we'll go back to Buffalo, New York. She was delighted to hear this. He came home about four o'clock in the afternoon, very quiet and subdued. would someday be a very beautiful residential area. He said that in 1940. He was certainly uh, correct uh, on that. He was a uh, good prophet on that, wasn't he? Certainly right. <laughs> because it, uh, it really has has come that way as a beautiful residential area today. Yeah. In, in those days, uh, when you started school, I believe you started at Grandin School. Grandin, Grandin School is right, John, on uh, 110th Street uh, and the 99th uh, uh, Avenue uh, 110th Street to school, but just a year prior to my starting school, uh, I was, uh, I guess I was six years old, and I was in grade one, and there was a little wooden, one room schoolhouse, and it was situated uh, just alongside the viaduct there on between 100 and 110th Street, and uh, that's where I went to grade one in 1940 when i was going in the grade two the new the, the granite school was officially opened there in september 1940 1950 i went to school in 1940 in a little wooden schoolhouse so we transferred that from the little wooden schoolhouse to the granite school uh, to begin in grade two and that but the Granite School still stands today. Yes, it oh. does. Yeah. Okay. And uh, was the Granite School the only school you attended? Or did uh, you... I went to Granite through all grammar grade, you know, through grade 8, and then I went from there to St. Joseph's High School, uh, which was, uh, was known, actually, as St. Mary's High School then, through those days. And we uh, yeah, entered high school there, and uh, this uh, St. Mary's High School was located just about a half a block south of uh, Jasper Avenue, on 103rd Street. Uh, of course, it's long gone since yeah. then. And uh, later on, uh, they changed the name and moved the uh, uh, the uh, base of the school to uh, about 109th Street today, 108th Avenue, St. Joseph's High School. Be yeah. around there, yet. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, that took a business course. Uh, Years in uh, typing and uh, shorthand and booking. I, I, I got my grade ten and I went as far as ten and I took to the school. Were you playing ball even when you were at school in oh, yes. those early days? Yes, I. I, we, I remember we had a, a church team, uh, Saint Joseph's Boys <laughs> Baseball Club, and this is about 1922. Now. And we formed this uh, baseball club among uh, the young players in the parish and uh, we uh, played uh, various teams, church teams, and we played uh, uh, teams, uh, intermediate, you know, and men who were 16, and 17, 18 years of age, 20 years of age, some of them, and we were an average of about 14, you see. We football club and won a lot of ball games and uh, well, that's uh, the first uh, uh, rush I had with baseball. I guess uh, other than playing in the schools, you know, yeah. the private schools. Well, I understand that there was a, a baseball game held in 1919 when King Edward VII visited. Yeah, there was Edward. Uh, that's right. Yeah, Prince of Wales. Uh, yeah, and uh, he was uh, he was on a tour of Canada in 1919, and he came and visited Edmonton, and then his itinerary in Edmonton. Uh, was to attend a baseball game down at Old Diamond Park, uh, which lies, uh, which was located at the foot of McDougall Hill mm-hmm. uh, on First Street uh, steps. And uh, so the Fetts uh, came to the ballpark that day. It was a game there between the Knights of Columbus and the Pets game, you see, yeah. at a 14th City League in Diamond Park that year, you know, very good baseball, very, very high caliber, and a great interest uh, of uh, fans, you know. And uh, so, of course, uh, they made all the labor pre- uh, preparations for the of of whales was to sit behind home plate at the glenstein with the uh, flag draped uh, around them, you know, the, the seats and the cushions and comfort and all, like that. <coughs> he came in the ballpark. and. He i in the uh, right field breaches way, and he, he walked down uh, past first base to get the grass <clears> Then, <throat> So, my gosh, the prince, I was at the ball game that day. That was the first time I was ever in Diamond Park. And he just jumped over that fence, we progged over, about a three-foot fence there, and he just laid down on the grass behind uh, first base and foul <clears> there. <throat> completely ignored the big, elaborate... Uh, an area for on a yeah. grandstand and watched the game from that. I bet you the crowd must have loved it. it just loved it, yeah, That's real democracy. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I always remember that was my first uh, time in, in, in Diamond Park, 1919. Prince a Now, well, after that, I understand that uh, Mr. William White uh, revived the Western Canada professional baseball team. Correct. This is where they had teams from Winnipeg, Moose Jaw, so on. That was about 1920. Yeah, that's correct. But it goes back a little before that, John. William Fremont Deacon White. Was a, a great gentleman, a great, great baseball man, and he was a born in Illinois. He uh, grew up in, in the Chicago area and uh, graduated from Northwestern University as a teacher. And he taught around. Chicago for two years. And then he traveled west to uh, to the state of Washington. And uh, he joined, he was a ball player too, you see, first baseman. And uh, he joined the Anaconda Washington Baseball Club, and uh, they were a professional traveling team. And so they were making a tour west of Western Canada. And they came by this, came by up until the 1960s, this was the spring of. 1906. They played two games here and Deacon fell in love with Edmonton, and he stayed. The team went on to finish their bars on Deacon State, and he began a great illustrious career as a baseball administrator, and uh, he was involved uh, also very much in down he says young man he said you, you're no great ball player but there's something athletic about you is there any other game you play and this man his young man there, he said yes he said i play a little hockey too and the man uh, the deacon was screwing was gordon blanchard duke keats really? yes sir and after the war he uh, Deacon returned to Edmonton in, in 1919, and um, he uh, managed, of coach the best club in his 14th eight years, speaking of his yeah. sure in 1919, and down the park. In 19... Oh, I to really have my story there. Before he went overseas, in 1900, in hey, 1970, Deacon Hart formed the, for the first time, the Western Canada Professional Baseball League which was under the jurisdiction of the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues. International. So that would have been the first professional organization uh, in, 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 in professional baseball, as 1907. And that league functioned through the uh, you know, through 1930. Mm-hmm. And then World War I broke out, and the league suspended operations at a Academy. And, uh, and it was on the shelf. Until Deacon came back from overseas, then he uh, formed that uh, Veterans Baseball Club in the 14th City League, it was a semi-pro club. And uh, for 1919, and then 1920, in the winter of 20, he revived the Western League, uh professional baseball, uh, which comprised the cities of uh, Winnipeg, Rechina, Saskatoon, Moose Jaw, Calgary, and Everton, 6th Club League and uh, that league functioned there uh, from 1920 through 1921 and in 1922 the league disbanded and they formed another league called the Western International League uh, which comprised only four teams uh, professional baseball named Vancouver DC Tacoma Washington Calgary United. that was in 1922 there'd be a lot of traveling. Yeah, enough traffic traveling in not enough towns, you see, not enough cities in the league. I think the league is six or eight, eight preferably. So, uh, Edmonton, uh, Deacon had a very good ball club that year, uh, in 1922. But unfortunately, the, uh, the fan support in uh, Tacoma was very poor, and they could not continue. And then uh, by mid-June, the, the league was disbanded. Uh, Tacoma had to withdraw, and of course, they couldn't function with on only three teams. Yes. <laughs> League, among the Major League owners. Uh, he was uh, highly regarded and respected as a man of great integrity. And uh, those years when Deacon was uh, stocking the uh, the uh, leagues, you know, in the Western can League, uh, it was mainly through Deacon's uh, influence uh, that frankly the entire league that the the university people held Mr. White. Gainers, uh, packing plant, baseball club, Gainers, and, uh, that was intermediate John, and, uh, that was the first year i come up a little bit from junior, you see, and, uh, I played first base on this club, and, uh, there's one or of two boys still around today. Ed McHugh is here in Edmonton. He was a catcher on the ball club, uh, George Dean uh, was a pitcher and an outfielder, and a very fine hockey player also George Ding still here in Edmonton today. A wonderful man. Also Ed McHugh. Those two men and, and another man that uh, played uh, on that ball club was Murray Murdoch. Uh, he, played, he was a third baseman on the club. And Murray Murdoch was the, as you remember going back, he was the original National Hockey League Ironman. Uh, he had a consecutive game record of 567 games, I believe. And he joined the Rangers their first year in New York, uh, in the National Hockey League, I think that was in 1926. And Murray would come back here and spend the summer here, you see. And so he played on this uh, Gators Club, and then the inter- intermediate North Edmonton had a team, and Gators, and, and uh, I can't just remember how well, so it was, it was about six teams in the league. Diamond Park in uh, the three-team lead we had that year in 1920. six the teams were they were the you know. As a little man, he he wouldn't weigh more than 135 pounds, and uh, physically he couldn't open a can of peas. But morally, he was a giant. He challenged the world; he wasn't afraid of nobody. And he won that ball game, I'll tell you. And he, uh, he operated in that Western Canadian League as a umpire for two years, 1920 and 21. <clears throat> and in those two years, I think the president of the league. Uh, uh, Frank Miley from Saskatoon uh, told me years later when I was in Saskatoon on some uh, Exhibition Week baseball tournament there. Uh, Mr. Miley was a theater manager there and for uh, so many years and he was president of the Western Cattle League in 2021. 20, uh, and uh, Frank told me, he says, you know, Johnny says, we, he says, I think in the two years this was a tough league. Uh, to football players in a rough and tough league it was so I think I uh, engaged something mm-hmm. like 25-30 umpires in the two seasons and they'd go along for a while maybe a week maybe not even a week race yes. but, but but except, <laughs> except one man except one man state. Playing, uh, as an infielder, second baseman. He's, he's 14 years old now. And so one day, they we were having this little Sandlot game, and the uh, spectators, there were a few people there at the game. And some man asked him, uh, Where are you from, son? And the uh, said, Sir, uh, he says, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, Taunton, Massachusetts. And the fellow said, Well, that's fine. He said, I'm your name is Beans. Austin yeah, Boston yeah, Beans. Indeed. Well, <laughs> so that, that stuck with him, and he umpired, uh, went. he could no longer play baseball because he knew he was not capable of becoming a, a major league ball player, yeah. so he turned out for He was 15 years old. He was not there around the uh, Los Angeles San Luis. and from there he he uh, progressed into the Wigger League, you know, where had some big ball players playing in the Wigger League down in Los Angeles in those years. And, uh, <coughs> so, uh, uh, it was through this, uh, Wigger League upcoming that, uh, uh, that, he you know, attracted the attention of the, of the baseball manager down there, but, you know, Wade Killifer. And Wade thought that Beats had great potential for, uh, as an umpire. He said, I can get you a job in the uh, Western Canada league. And he said, that's a good, league, class B.B., 1920 20. He said, you can make it, too. He was a little reluctant to leave L.A. come all the way up here to Edmonton, those days. But he, he, he accepted the job, and he came. Did you go down to Los Angeles at one point to, uh, to, to learn? from up the him? Yes, I did. In 1930, I went to Los Angeles, and of and I had plans to uh, to, uh, to hold an umpire school at that winter. However, that fell through and it didn't, uh, didn't uh, develop. But uh, I made my acquaintance, renewed uh, my acquaintance with him when I was back born here in 1920, uh, pardon, 1921, 22, for visiting teams in the old Western County at that Park. And of course, that's where I first run into beans. Weird. Uh, he was umpire here in 19, the last year 1921. So when I went to Los Angeles in 30, I was single and young. Uh, I wanted to go to umpire school. I did materialize with Beans. I uh, took quite an interest in, in my hopes of uh, becoming an umpire, and uh, throughout the winter I would be with him and uh, he would be, just uh... And there was uh, the U.S. Army Yanks, which was uh, a baseball club uh, uh, recruited from the uh, U.S. Air Forces station in Edmonton, Mm -hmm. and there was the U.S. Army Signal Corps, they called them the Signals. That was another American club in the league, and there was two teams in Edmonton. One was uh, the, the Dodgers, which was sponsored by another great old sportsman here in Edmonton, still here today, Cal Pickles was a great sponsor of baseball from that point, all down through the years, and uh, he had the Dodgers, and uh, the front club, I think, was the Aircraft Repair. And uh, on the Dodges, and the Aircraft Repair, uh, predominantly ball players. there predominantly came ballplayers, the last the Cain ballplayers were on over the years, and was, they were spiked with probably three, an average of three American players, or four perhaps. And then, of course, the other two teams, the uh, Yankees and, uh, and the St. part Saul, solid American players. And uh, that he was played at the Park. And Johnny gosh, and John had uh, some great talent played in the athlete through those four years they played at that league. And uh, great crowds and attendance was terrific, because, uh, you know, they were averaging 4,000, forty 4, five hundred people down there at Redfield Park. Yeah. And, you know, an ideal situation for baseball because there was uh, there was no uh, you know there was no golf golf was in its infancy and uh, there was very little uh, automobile and what few automobiles there were in the area uh, they were under uh, wartime restriction for gasoline you see so uh, it was a captured audience and there was no driving to beaches and resorts or anything like that and right then right then. So they played that league for about four years, and uh, I remember the, the best crowd we had in that league in those four years was a Sunday afternoon down at Renfrew Park. The U.S. Army Yankees uh, they brought in a team from Fort Lewis, Washington, that flew them. They flew in. So they played. They played this doubleheader down at uh, Renfrew Park, and uh, now of course we we uh, there's two umpires the two-hour power system and my partner that day was a man who is here in edmonton today very fine man good friend bob coxford uh, bob for many many years was a uh, uh packer's uh, leading salesman here in, uh, in, uh, in, in the city of edmonton and he was he also our part he was brother to birdie Coxford. so but this day bob and i worked at the uh, that uh, game. And uh, it was a very, very lovely Sunday afternoon. And it was about 80 above, beautiful day. And we had, had 7,800 people in that ballpark. And the entire ballpark uh, was solid groundholes, doubles, all the way around the playing field. Uh, See it, see. And so there had seventy-eight hundred people there. And uh, always remember that day. It was one of, that's one of the biggest parties I think we ever had in nursing Park. Uh, after the war, I, I understand in 1946 there was uh, a semi-pro league started uh, by yourself and uh, John Mullen and or Riley Mullen rather and John Beatty. That's correct, Johnny. No, yeah, there was uh, three of us. And, and uh, in 1946. Uh, Johnny Beattie and Riley Moran, and myself, we formed this little company, in Baseball Club Limited. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we went to the city of Edmonton and uh, to see if they would give us a lease on Renfrew Baseball Park. And uh, they did so, and I remember John Hodgson, beloved well, John Hodgson, who was our city commissioner for many years here, mm-hmm. one of the most astute uh, operators that Edmonton uh, ever uh, had the fortune of, uh, to have had the City Financial Affairs, John Hudson, And uh, it's too bad there isn't a few John Hodgsons around today. I mean, he was there, you could uh, use them, And so my guest, uh, the city and Mr. Hodgson uh, said, okay, we'll give you a one year, we see what you can do on Redfoot Park. I think the, our mayor then was Mr. Sid Parsons. Yeah, Sid Parsons. This uh, three-team three team semi-pro league, we brought in about uh, about uh, 18 American young players, and stocked each team with six on each club, six uh, six or eight, and uh, about six on each club, and the remaining players on the club were Canadian boys, good players players those days, Canadian boys. And uh, so that's how we found this three-team league, you see, brought these American kids in it. And we uh, had some pretty good baseball play that uh, 46 league, and uh, so by gosh, uh, we did fairly well. and uh, The city uh, evidently uh, they were impressed with our efforts, and so they gave us a, a new lease. I think it was for uh, five years, and then we had improvements made to Renfrew Park from that point on, you know, uh, enlarging it, and expanding it, and improving it. And with the help of Mr. The Hodges and then the City Council. Uh, the Central Park in a pretty nice ballpark, and that developed into the Big Four League in 1947. Yeah, the Big Four League, yeah, the Big Four and the City League, mm-hmm. and that league was two clubs in Calgary and two teams in Edmonton, and it functioned for four years. and It was the talk of organized baseball. How a, t- a league of four teams of two cities could function for four years was Attendance we had. it was terrific. Tennis we had one year I remember the best year we had in Edmonton. Uh, Tennis was in 1948. There were 158,000 people in the food park. You know in Edmonton was uh, 150,000 people. You know that's incredible. thing yeah, That's a tremendous uh, all. So uh, that league uh, was very good and uh, went for four years and then then uh, it failed you know, uh, off and, and uh, we suspended the operations after the 50 season. Yeah and then and after that we uh, uh we had a we had the visa the somewhere for 10 years it was very good for us and uh johnny and i riley mullen uh, um was originally with us when we found this baseball company but riley had to leave because he was appointed the uh, coach of the other uh, fires hockey club uh you uh, i think it was in august of 1946 and his About one third of the way through the tape, the interviewer referred to King Edward the Seventh visiting Edmonton as the Prince of Wales. It should have been King Edward the Eighth. Unfortunately, the latter part of this tape was lost in the recording. Mr. Ducey went on to talk about the situation of and development of baseball in Edmonton in the 1950s. He thanked his wife for all the support he received. And the interview ended. This material is a digitized audio recording from the holdings of the City of Edmonton Archives. For more information regarding the recording, please contact us by email at cms.archives at edmonton.ca, by phone at 780-496-8711, or on our online catalog at cityarchives.edmonton.ca.